Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to another edition of In the Dugout with myself and my co-host Craig Dennett. Today we have got a very exciting guest on for you. We've got Jordan Young. How are you doing today, Jordan? I'm magic, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. That's good. It's a pleasure. Uh, so, Jordan, you're best known for, for a few roles. You've got Alex Murdoch in, in River City, uh, PC Jack Shagger McLaren, <laughs> and uh, Scott Squad, which is a fantastic show, by the way. Um, we know you, you do lots of fundraising um, I definitely touch on that, some of your experiences with, I know you've, uh, you know, auctioned shirts, you've done marathons and and uh, you were doing skydiving, was it? Was that last year? That was, aye, that was, was that November? I think it was early November last year, aye, yeah. yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, we could take up a couple of hours talking about that of just fear, just a podcast <laughs> on fear, <laughs> adrenaline and fear and... Wetting yourself, aye. <laughs> and uh, also, you host a lot of Rangers uh, official events and stuff like that, a few charity days, and, and you were right at this, the City Chambers last night, so... I was, aye. aye well, well, maybe pick your brains about the City Chambers. How, how was that, getting to be in and amongst some uh, it was, legends? It was, it was amazing. Um, it was definitely one of those uh, events where you've got imposter syndrome. You know, you're, you're standing there going, there is no way on God's earth I should be here. But... I am, so I'm going to enjoy it. But, you know, it was Andy Cameron gave a speech and he, he sung a wee song at the end and it was just beautiful. He was just talking about his entire life of being a Rangers fan. You know, it was quite formal with the Glasgow City Council and then Stuart Robertson gave his kind of uh, riposte to it. So it was all quite formal, but, but lovely. But then Andy Cameron really pulled at the heartstrings and uh, was mentioning folk we've lost recently, as in Walter and... And Andy and Jimmy Bell. Uh, uh, so it was it was lovely. It was, it was fantastic night. It's great. Yeah, no, that that's great to hear. I've seen a few people on, on Twitter comment on it. It, it looked like a, a really good night for for the club. And uh, you were looking very dapper with your your two partners in crime. Eh? Yes, I. Although I think me and Purden suit probably 
he'd down times that by 10, it wouldn't have cost as much as Gredo's. Ask him about that. <laughs> Honestly, I've had cars that have cost less than his suit. So. Oh, <laughs> Maybe get a Castor hoodie one day, yeah? <laughs> no. That's it, exactly. So, and um, yeah, so tell us about, I'd like to talk about maybe your acting for a wee bit and Aye. where that all started and how, how did you get into it all? Um, I don't, I, I always say this when folk ask this question, I don't think I was one of these precocious sort of, show off your kids. Um I think I think I was maybe a wee bit shy. Uh, I say it to my mum, she's like, you, you what? I don't think I mean I wasn't like one of these kind of never spoke to anybody, but I wasn't sort of really outgoing and 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 dead confident. But um I did drama, I started drama like maybe first year of high school, so eleven year old and really, really enjoyed it and like loved it. And um did that kind of just for the first, second, third year. And uh, I lost my dad when uh, I was 14. And, and that, for that point on, I just threw myself into drama. That was a kind of kind of cathartic therapy thing. You don't know that at the time, but when you're a kid, when looking back now, you go, that's exactly what I was doing. I was just throwing myself into something. Like, at that, that time, uh, you're a, you know, a, a young teenager, and I wasn't interested in anything other than football, girls, and drama. And that was it. That was, honestly, my life didn't... I, maths, English, all that, which is a huge regret, obviously, you know, now that I'm a, a dad myself and I'm older and I go, oh, there's loads of things I don't know about the world because my education really suffered because my lack of application, but um, I threw myself into, into drama and and it was my it was my drama teacher at the time, she, you know, we were getting to, I think we were about 16, you know, you're getting your careers meetings and they're all, I didn't have a clue what I was going to do, I really didn't have a clue. And she just said, "Me one day she went to go to drama school, and I was like, what? She went to go to drama school, and was, none of my family had ever went to uni, and it was all, and you know, a job as an actor, it's it's quite unusual for like, all my mates are, I say normal people, but normal jobs, they're still like, I don't get what you do, I don't understand how your, your day-to-day, it works, you know, it's still kind of, you wear tights for a living and jump about on a stage, is that what you do? Like, shut up, and that's my best mates who, you know, I've known for 25 years. Um, so then I, I went to drama college and I uh, did a year at Dundee, uh, sorry, HNC, and I went to Queen Margaret in Edinburgh and got my degree, um, and I graduated 21 years ago, so I've been an actor 21 years, which is half my life, which is mental. Yeah, man. <laughs> No, you've 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 made a really good career out of it as well. But something I particularly want to talk to you about is uh, is Scott Squad. How is it working on that? How the hell do you keep a straight face in most of these things? Because it's so funny. So I, well, firstly, thank you. That's brilliant. Uh, cheers. But I I can say this honestly. Um, it is an absolute joy. Yeah. So you go into your work. Uh, like Sally, who plays uh, Sarah Fletcher, yeah. she's one of my best pals in real life. So we we got on really well. We know each other really well, and because it's um, massively improvised, you know, the vast majority is improvised. You're just talking nonsense, and uh, you kind of you know you've got A to B to get to, and maybe the director or the one of the script editors will say say that line or, or say that, but you're just talking nonsense, and it's the real the real um, talent is the editors making you funny. You know, because you could a scene could be twenty minutes long, and they and what goes in the telly could be like eight seconds, and it's because they've trolled through hours of footage. You're going, if I make that, 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 and I'll, I'll piece it together. But Noddy, the director, he's directed it for day one. I've I've worked with Noddy for 15, 16 years, and 
creates a brilliant atmosphere. It's it's yeah. like going to work with your pals. It, there's no pressure. Like there's other other filming jobs you do, other but most other sort of shoots are it's quite high pressure. It's always up against time. There's not enough money. It's quite serious. There's a lot a lot at stake. Whereas this, there's a really really chilled atmosphere, and that's to do with it. With Noddy who runs the show, basically. Um, I, I love it. I love it. It's one of those shows, I guess, a bit like Still Game, where it's like immediately quotable, and so many people, yeah. so many people just remember lines from it left, right, and center. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you get stuff like that shouted? Do you get stuff shouted at you all the time when you're walking down the street and all that sort of stuff? I, I am. It used to be you get a, a lot of bam or no bam chat, but <laughs> yeah. then what's kind of the dominant strain of the, the shouting now is uh, is shagger. Um, you know, and that's you get that a lot. You get that for the real polis. You get that uh, oh, all the time. Wow. It's you know, honestly, like, it's sometimes you're like, well, you're on duty, and you're just going to shag. That's good, respect you. <laughs> um, but I like because I've got two young daughters, and when folk are shouting that, you're like, I, I, I don't know what they're, they're not shouting at me, darling. No, I have no idea what they're talking about. Um, but yeah, it's it's mainly shagger. Yeah, I bet you're gutted at that one, eh? I know, actually. Look at the missus and go, oh, how lucky a lady, isn't you? <laughs> uh, and, uh, you touched on it uh, earlier on, you know, you, you, you do a lot, a lot of charity work, you know. You talked to us about some of that sort of stuff in terms of the, the marathons and the, especially the skydive, man, because that is yeah. my greatest fear would be jumping out of oh. Well, <laughs> and it was, it was my greatest fear, Um I, the Beatson um, approached me, I, I, I did stuff in, in lockdown for them online, like a Zoom, and uh, Charlene at the Beatson just sent me an email one day and said, look, we're doing it, so the ball busters, and we're looking to, I think it was 50 grand, that 50 grand, and I, I think they were getting 20 people and trying to get 50 grand, and uh, would you do it, jump out a plane, and my automatic reaction when I read it was like, the soles of my feet were sore, I've never, I felt like, I felt like, whoa, nah, 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 nah. And then I came away and I was like, I need to think about it. So I said, can I have the weekend to think about it? Because my automatic reaction is like, there's no way in God's earth I can do it. Because I'm no good with heights at all. And really, if I go up a ladder, I get a bit oofed. <laughs> um, and I was like, I don't have nah, nah. And then uh, I kind of thought, do you know what? Part of my job having, you know, a, a, a tiny bit of profile, if you can maybe put it to good use and jump out a plane you know, it's utterly petrifying for me. But then you're thinking for cancer, that's kind of real fear. That's real, you know, there's folk that are either losing their lives, losing their loved loved ones, or going through the most traumatic thing. And cancer is so, you know, I don't think there's a human alive that hasn't been affected by a loved one or themselves going through it. And like, maybe I'll I'll just do it. So I kinda I resigned myself to doing it, but oh my God, it was terrifying. Yeah. Apart from the actual day, which is bizarre. It was really bizarre. Like um, it was cancelled five times because of the weather. And on the day that I eventually did it, they, they phoned me up because um, I live through uh, in the west coast, and it was through in, in Fife. Um, and they phoned me up and went, "Can you be through here in an hour?" And I was like, uh, "Yes, yes." So I never had really much time to think about it. Blah 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 blah. And going up in the plane, I became the most serene, calm. Yeah. It was weird. It was really weird because I'm not like I'm quite a highly strong person, you may have noticed. Uh, and I'm quite like uh, nervy and uh, all that. But I was really just dead calm. And my, my kids, 
and my mum and everyone were there to watch. And as the plane took off, I remember looking down at my, at my girls and like, they've had a good life, they'll be all right, <laughs> honestly. And I was dead, I was like, I think, maybe that's what I'll be like when I die, just dead calm about it, maybe. But it was great, it was great after it, after I did it. It was, it was a bucket list thing, you're right, that's that done. Probably not do it again. <laughs> Fair play to you, man. It's something I, I couldn't do, and it's you've raised a lot of money for a great cause. So hats off to you, my man. Ah, cheers, mate. Thank you. No, we'll, we'll, we'll crack into it. Um, Aye. Obviously, we've, we've got our standard eight questions that we ask everybody. Um, it's from here on in, it's all about the Rangers, Jordan, which yeah. will please you. So, um, Excellent. Yeah, the, the first question is, is it's a simple one. What mm-hmm. is it that got you into Rangers, and, and how did that all start? Um, I've probably got a, a slightly different route, well, a much different route than uh, than most folk. Not a single person in my family was into football. Oh. Not even that they weren't into Rangers. Nobody. My dad wasn't into football at all. Yeah. My brother, not at all. My granddads, my, my uncles. I mean, I'm making it all male. No, no women. My mum, aunties, grands. There was never any talk of football at all. And when I was, you know, younger because I never had any influences, you know, and there was all of my mates who all had football kits and we were playing, you know, I'm talking sort of six, seven-year-old, and yeah, yeah. I, I was like, I really, I quite like football, and, and I'm into it. Yeah. And, and then I remember my treat, and it was a cup final. I can never remember the year, but I'm sure if we, we Google it, I'd find it. It was a Celtic Rangers cup final. Mm-hmm. And my treat was to get my mum and dad's portable telly from their bedroom, and I got it in my bedroom. Oh. And... And we won. And for that second on, I became obsessed with Rangers. Nice. Absolutely obsessed with it. And, like, you know, it started at birthdays and Christmas, getting the, getting the kits. And and my mum always talks about it. She's like, you just were absolutely obsessed with it. And there was nobody there to bounce off. There was nobody to talk about. You know, like, I'd be trying to watch games in, in Scotsport or wherever it would be. And, and like, nobody was interested. I'm like, oh, we're playing. We're playing Aberdeen. It's a big game, I think. And the Skull Cup, Skull Cup's a biggie, you know. <laughs> um, and it's kind of, it's never went away. It's just, uh, you know, as you get older and more experiences, and it's just, I, as oh, I suppose, obsession's a bad thing, but I know I absolutely love it. Love everyone about. Got the games, everyone. Yeah. Do you think if we'd lost that cup final, you'd be a Celtic fan? Do you know that's went through my head a lot? <laughs> No, I'm just going to say no. Uh, <laughs> like, I think there was probably mates of mine at school, like, you know, being a fifer, uh, any village, town, city in, in Scotland has got a, a large share of Rangers and Celtic fans. You know, you go to the Highlands and Islands in a wee town and yeah. there's, it's always half and half. And I, I think a lot of my mates were Rangers fans as well, so I was probably always going that side anyway. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's just not even think about that. Right. That's 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 a that's a horrible thought. Are you bringing that? That's terrible. <laughs> Awful. Uh, I brought I brought up a pre podcast as well. So. <laughs> 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 uh, but no, that, that's good. So I guess our second question touched on kind of your first game and your memories of the first game dads, uncles, yeah, granddads yeah. that kind of take them to games and that kind of thing, but you obviously didn't have that family influence, so what no. What was your first game, how old were you? Forget, I, I was about 17, because again, living through there, and 
you know, the thought of travelling through to Glasgow on your own was, it was like going to Timbuktu. It was, a, you know, it was the big, big city the other side of the country. And I, I used to have dreams about going to Ibrox because it was so unachievable in my head. It was so like this, this, this paradise that I think, terrible use of paradise, mm, <laughs> scrub that. Uh, but it was like this kind of unachievable goal. And I, I genuinely did. I, I used to dream about going to Ibrox because, you know, I'd, you'd seen it on the telly and I did all the posters on my wall and kind of, you could visualise it, but I never thought it'd happen. And it was, it was hearts. It was, it was a 1-1 one, one draw. And I went through my cell, um, which I was terrified, obviously. And uh, that was it. So late 90s, be, it'd be about 97, 98 time um and then then because i'm just kind of sporadically i didn't it I, I wasn't like i was going all the time after that it was well it was sort of it was the early 2000s i started going more regular because then i moved to edinburgh and i was a student then there was a bit of a man who was an adult a full adult <laughs> yeah. I, like, I can do this <laughs> you know yeah. then, then a couple of boys i went to uni with were rangers fans and and I'd sort of rope them in going, Let, let's go through to Glasgow for the day. So, yeah, it was sort of the, the, the early noughties that I started going regularly. Um, do, do you remember where, where you sat that day? Do you remember who was in the team? Do you, what, what, do you remember what do you, you did know, on the I, way or anything? Or? Do you know, not, I, I, I remember, I remember, like, being nervous about going, about the, the travel. I know that sounds ridiculous now, but as a kid, you know, a country bumpkin as well, the travel through been really that was a big deal and quite scary uh, and that again my mum went look after yourself don't talk to anybody you'll get stabbed don't do any of that <laughs> like, oh, no. like just Glasgow mum there's no good knife crime in Glasgow oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure in this this uh, I'm sure it was a main stand um, but I, I don't remember uh, much about it at all but I'm I'm quite bad at I remember the team or the players, you know, I remember moments and, and goals and stuff or, yeah. or seasons, but like when I'm specific, so I've got mates that are statos and like, oh, cheers. What was that game? Brilliant, cheers. <laughs> so I was going to say that that might serve you well for the questions later in the podcast when we ask you who your favourite player is and what your right. favourite goal was. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got a few that it's hard to whittle down, but yeah, I'll try. Oh, that's that. It's uh, the the next question we've got, Jordan. Is we know you get to as many games as you can, and and you you attend Ibrox regularly. But what's your sort of typical match day routine? Are you do you go for a, a you know a pint before the game? Do you do you go for a walk around the stadium, or what do you normally do when you're in Ibrox? I, I used to pre having kids. I'd always like a drink before a game, um, and that was uh, a lot. If I was travelling from. Um, when I lived in Edinburgh, I was getting the train through and I'd be with a mate. So, you know, you'd leave early, make sure you got there and then you go for Paisley Road West, you go for a couple of drinks. Um, that was always a routine. Then when I moved to Glasgow, I lived in the south side. So it was, I was about two miles for the stadium, three miles, something like that. And I just went then, I would often go to the games on my own. So I'd just walk and then I wouldn't really need bevy. But now I'm often driving. Uh, I hate absolutely hate being late. I've got a real thing about, I like to be in before the, the teams that are announced. Like, and, I, and I've got so many mates over the years who I've went with, you know, you go with different folk and some of them are like, they don't really care. Like if they're five minutes late and that really 
that affects my OCD. I'm like, no, I, I need to see the start of the game. Yeah. Um, but my mate who I go with, Gav, uh, Gav Wright, um, smashing guy, he, he's kind of who I go with all the time now. He's like, me. we've got to get in there. Got to be there plenty of time. So that's a, usually we Gav. One of us drives, take it and turn to drive. So. I, we, to be fair, we're the exact same. Yeah. Uh, we, we're, in the, we're in the ground 45 minutes before kickoff, roughly. We're sitting watching, uh, waiting for Alan McGregor to come out to do his warm up and all that sort of stuff. We're in that early. No, I'm, not, I'm, no, I'm not that bad. <laughs> but just so Kyle can assess how bad we're going to be at shooting that day from the striker drills <laughs> when we miss the target for 40 minutes. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? You go, oh, he's, he's not got any day. He's not, nah, he's, not, he's not ready. He's not sharp. He doesn't look confident. You're all reading into it. Not not once though has that has what has been done in the warm up ever reflected what's happened in nine weeks. So I don't know why I do it. Like I'm obsessed with seeing it, but there we go. It's good to hear somebody else is the same as me. So yeah, yeah. It's too bad. Um, but the the big question. This is one of my favourite questions on this podcast. Is when you're leaving the stadium, Jordan, are you a tapper or are you not a tapper? Do you go and do you touch it? Oh yeah, I tapper. Um, and I don't know what that comes with. I think it. You know, it originally comes from going, uh, you know, uh, I'm part of this, this is part of my my tribe, you know, this is mine as well. But also you see other people doing it. But now, if I didn't do it, it'd be like, that was a choice not to do it. Why are you not doing it? That's an odd thing. You know, so yeah, oh, I definitely tap her eye. Yeah. Don't want eyebrows because they think you're annoyed. It's annoyed at you. I know. That's good. Like, okay. <laughs> so you're not know, so you know, tapping me for. <laughs> <laughs> Just because we got scudded. <laughs> To be fair, I think we're now eight episodes in, nine episodes into this, and I think all but one person has said that they, they tap the, the, the sort of above the door as they leave. But, yeah. we, but I don't think we've had a cons- one person have the same answer as another person. Which is, right? So no one no one has any idea why they do it. Just everyone yeah, does. It. I think you probably, you, you see people doing it and you think, oh, that's it. It's, yeah. it's again, it's a, a, a kind of, I think it's a belonging thing, isn't it? It's going, that's, that's what we're doing. I have no idea if other teams do that. I'm sure... Yeah. They maybe do it, but it's aye, yeah, I'm a tap up. Aye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> right, so into some of your sort of favourite moments and stuff like that, Jordan. Now, so uh, when we started this this sort of routine of these questions, we kind of we were we thought everyone will have a favourite goal show. Everyone's got a favourite goal. Turns out no one can narrow it down to just one. Um, so we we give everyone a sort of top three, and right, then we okay. kind of rank them after that. So. Um, in terms of just from your time watching Rangers, what's what are your sort of top three favourite goals? Top three, you, I, you try, you don't want to be too obvious and mainstream with this, but then there's a, a reason why um, Mendes at Parkhead uh, just to hit a ball so sweetly at the home of your biggest rivals, and that was his debut as well, I'm sure. Yeah, um, if it yeah, was, yeah I'm sure it was. Too, yeah. Um, it was just uh, that was such a sweet strike. Uh, I love it. Lovenkrans against Villarreal in the last yep. sixteen. Yeah, yep. I was right behind the the goals there, and kind of my eye line. I was just above the um, the crossbar, and it, it's such a sweet strike. It's such a beautiful strike, but it's also the the magnitude. You're in the last sixteen, the Champions League. You're Perzo's handballed it inexplicably early. Like, mate, this was this was hard enough. Yeah. You know, we, we could have we could have done without you doing that. To be honest, you know, yeah. Give a wee head start. Um, that was such a good strike. Uh, yeah. One that probably 
it was uh, Barry Mackay against Celtic at the semi-final. And I think that uh, absolutely stunning strike, anything that goes in off the bar or the post always makes it look better. It's really far out. It's obviously against Celtic, but it's, it's to do with where we'd been at. And, you know, that was the, the, the start of the, a stuttering start, a stalled start of trying to get back. You know, we were kind of past the the Sandazas and Gravaris and, and we were building a bit of a stronger squad. We, you know, we weren't there yet, but we were, we were making shakes. And I think it's what that goal symbolised, but also it was such a peachy strike. Um, yeah, that one. So is it, is it safe to say you're, a, you're more of a, a fan of the Thunder Bastard than you are of a well-worked single, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I, 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 I'm, I'm one of these boys that you've been like, just past the half year, they're going, hit it, hit it. <laughs> you know, all that intricate play, like, stop that, just hit it. <laughs> he, was the, he was the only man shouting for Roof to shoot before he did it against uh, Belgium. <laughs> but, but even before he shot, I was like, oh, it was 10 yards too far forward. I was like, you should have hit that 10 yards ago. Aye. <laughs> I know, man. Ah, oh, so funny. But like, uh, the next question we've always got is it's simple one as well. It's your your top three favourite players that you've you've ever seen at Ibrooks, and we always we always you know get similar answers. So I'd always like three, and then a wee sort of cult hero, a wee Salim Kerkar in there, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to, to be fair, to be fair, and to give you a wee bit of thinking time on this one, in the last podcast we had Reese on, so Reese is. But Reese was born in 2000, so Reese is quite young. And really, from the age of 12, he had he had third division onwards, so he's, they didn't really have that much to go for. But he went for, okay? I think he went for Sonia Luko as his favourite player. Was that was that right? He was um, a good player. He was a good player. It was quite underrated, but for the three favourite players, a bit. <laughs> I know it's a bit of a stretch, but then you go. It's all about generations, isn't it? It's, you know, I I grew up through the nine in a row era, so. You know, I'm I'm kind of spoiled for choice. I so my, my room was covered with McCoy, Gorham, and Loudrop. Yeah. I um I played in goals when I was wee, uh, as in younger, no wee, because I'm not the biggest yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I loved being a keeper. No, that wasn't very. I wasn't great. I wasn't any great shakes, but I loved being a keeper. I was quite obsessed with, with goalkeeping and stuff. And I had the 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 Gorham keeper either. The splodges one, the yellow and red, and that. Um, yeah. I got that at Christmas. I, I, so I love be, being in goals. So I had a real thing with keepers and, and Gorham and, and Kloss and that. And even McGregor now. It's, but Koiste, I know it's, it's dead obvious, but it was so iconic and so. It just seemed to have everything. So charismatic and everything. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to. I met him a couple of times and he's. It's just he, he's everything that you, you want him to be and more, you know. Um, yeah. A gent of a man, but genuinely funny. And what a goal scorer. You know, it's, it's unreal. Unreal when you, you look at some of his goals as well, you know. I grew up when, you know, in the 80s and it was it was always, if you were playing playing football and they were calling you a poacher, it was oh, you're just being McCoy, you're just being McCoy. <laughs> as, if, as if that's all he did. Yeah. You look at some of his goals, you're like, what a finisher he was. He's brilliant. Yeah. I think as well when you hear him in commentary for the European games and things like that, he's he's talking about where the striker should move and why he should take half a step that way or half a step back or whatever. The amount of thought that actually goes into into the into him being in the right place at the right time, you can just tell was was insane. And yeah. it's why it's why so few people can do it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um they're all obviously of the same era, but they, these were the guys that were all over my walls. Um 
posters and that. I, I love Dado Perzo. Loved Perzo. Um, I wish we'd got him a couple of years earlier. Yeah. Uh, great player. Gangly and a, a weird running style. And you always thought, oh, he's losing the ball here. And he always, you know, when he went off one of these galloping runs and you're like, he's no stopman. He's still got the ball. It's, it's yeah. amazing. Uh, I loved him. He was a bit of a cult hero. Again, Jelovic as well, we Croatian theme. Yeah. If only we could get another Croatian striker. <laughs> <Yeah>. hmm. <laughs> uh, I um, try to think of any more obscure ones. Um, and and uh, all my mates in the Rangers WhatsApp chat, I'm renowned for being the curse of a player. I'm always the curse, you know. But you get you get the the guy that's kind of unknown for six hundred grand. I'm like, honestly, boys, talent. <laughs> Ballon d'Or in three years, we're going to sell him for 60 million quid. And then he plays three games, they hear from him, and then he's punted. That's me, I'm, I'm the curse. So, as I've said to my mates, like this season, I think all our signings are dross. I think we're going to be terrible. Yeah. Nobody's going to do anything good. See what I did there. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, do you want to use this platform as your official apology to Jack Simpson for... <laughs> <laughs> Cedric Eaton, yeah. <laughs> yeah. name but a few. I, or I, I always buy into these players. Always, I was like, he's he's a real deal, and and my mates like, he's honestly he's no. And then I get dead defensive, and I'm going, leave him alone. He's really good. <laughs> he's just not getting any game time, so maybe he's no doing it in training. I don't know. <laughs> I'm a bit worried now because I've been a bit like that with Tillman already this season. Literally seen five minutes of the guy and already think he's going to be the player's player of the year and the Scottish Football Writer Association. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm always uh, a sucker for... He's played for Bayern Munich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be a god, isn't he? You know, no thinking that, well, you know, he's, he's young and Bayern Munich have let him go, but I'm like, no, nah, nah, he's a god. He's absolutely going to dominate, but... That's the curse. Tillman's got to be terrible now. I've said that. I've put that out. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed not. Fingers crossed not. I know. Um, right, on to the next one. Um, you obviously went to your first game at 17, as you said. So, so I kind of top three favourite games. Um, we've actually had quite a few people who've put a few games from the European run last season into, into this. Um, there's not many, I think, from the, the seasons before that that have gone into it, but Kind of your, your favourite games that you've seen over the years? Um, I think my favourite game I've ever been to was the Leipzig game. Um, the atmosphere, I've never experienced anything like that. That was obviously because of what it meant and where we were going, we knew what that, but the atmosphere after the full-time whistle. and But, you know, I'm playing at a, a team who are a really, really good team, you know, really, really good in the ball and all that. And what we did in Europe last, you know, previously in Europe would maybe be a bit sort of sticky and, you know, defensive and scrape it. But I thought we, we were dominating teams and playing brilliant football and that, to see that, and it was just brilliant. Um, I, I think that, obviously it's the, the most recent in my, my, my mind as well, but... Uh, Celtic game um, Ibrox where it was the, the season of um, administration uh, but, but it was before uh, the shit hit the fan um, it was 4-2 it was McCoist's first one and uh, Naismith scored an absolute belt on the top corner yeah. 
and then McGregor had a howler against their wee left back. He, he had a kind of speculative one, and was it um, Hooper? I think scored, so they went two one up, and then we came out and just played them off the park. It was brilliant, four two. No, it was a great game. Is that, is that the one Lee Wallace scored the fourth goal? Was that that? Was that that game, or was that later on that season? I think Lee was scored when we were. Was that the one when Celtic could have won the league that day? I may have been nice. Is it in, in a local scored? Yeah. I, mean, I yeah. could be wrong. I think it was Yelovich, Naismith. <laughs> Yelovich scored the header, Naismith scored. Lafferty scored. Oh. Lafferty, he, 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 had, he, had about, he had about three three hits in. It was half shins and everything. And it's brilliant. You watch it, he's like, I'm not getting up. This is going to the net. I don't care what you do. This is going to the net. Uh, I can't remember who scored it. Can't kind of mind. Um, right. Oh, or, or there was a. I think it was. Well, Watersmith's first full season back. It was a the, the two thousand and eight the Manchester season. Their first old firm. I was working in uh, New York at the time, and I got up in the middle of the night. Oh. Yellow cab to the Rangers bar and that, and it was one we won three nil. Uh, Ferguson Novo. Again, I'm always good with two goals. It's the third, the most. <laughs> um, but we were just absolutely blew them away. So dominant. Now, that, I mean, I wasn't at the game, but you know, watching it in New York with Rangers fans was it was pretty special. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, Novo. That was at Novo penalty. <laughs> yeah. I think the I think the Leipzig game is one that will be in most people's lists, especially yeah. if they were especially if they were in the ground that night. I mean, the mo- the moment that John Winstrom. Um, shot hit the back of the net was just unreal. Um, it's, just, it's, then... it's that unbelievable thing. Like I'm, I kind of always got a wee delay. I've gone. I can't believe this has actually happened. I'm a bit <laughs> a pessimist. I'm always like, must be offside or something. There must be something, you know. It was, but that the atmosphere was electric. It was amazing. I know. I still, to be fair, I still watch the highlights once a day. Um, <laughs> I, I, never, never watched Seville back, but I watched the highlights of that once nah, a day. Nah, and then uh, I'm sure Belinda Carlisle will be on top of my Spotify most uh, played at the end of this year. So, do you imagine being Lundstrom and hearing that entire stadium singing that about you? How could you not play well with that? You know, it's brilliant. Yeah, there's something else that game as well. Totally agree. It's. It'll be a long time, I think, before we see something like that. Either. Yeah. Jordan, did you did you make it to Seville or did you? I did. Yeah, I was there. Um, I I did a day trip with my mate Gav, um, and I was training for a marathon, so I was sober. And my mate and Gav was working the following day, and we kind of said, "Look, let's no drink," which was pretty tough decision to make. <laughs> but I'd, I'd sort of squared up my head that if. If we win, I'll have a wee drink after. I wouldn't get, you know, I'd, I'd kind of eight weeks off the drink. I was being really sort of strict and just coincided with my team going to a European final, which was difficult. So we spent all day just wandering in Seville in the fan zones. Absolutely brilliant. Again, said to him, let's get to the stadium an hour and a half early. Let's just get there and indulge in it. So, you know, we're in a different city and let's find our bearings and all that. And we got, um, to the, the signpost for the, the street we were to go down for a section of the stadium and the, the police were, were blown off and they wouldn't tell you why. And, you know, there's there's mere and mere bears just kind of waiting. It's probably about a thousand of us just waiting for ages. And it's getting closer and closer to kick-off and I'm raging because my whole point of us coming up early was to get in the stadium and yeah. avoid this. I just wanted to be in there and relax and see the whole beginning of the the, the game and everything. And... Um, 
So we're waiting for ages, and it was probably about 25 minutes before kickoff, and there was loads of singing and dancing kicked off, we were in a good mood and all that. So I took my phone out, took a video, put it back in my pocket, and about a couple of minutes later, the police moved and let us through. And I went to get my phone, because my ticket was on my phone, and it was gone. And I was like, no, 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 no. And Gav's like, What's, what is it, what is it? But, you know, you've got a thousand folk behind you all walking towards, everyone's singing and dancing and that. So, you know, I'm screaming, I've lost my phone, I've lost my phone. Nobody quite rightly cares. No, they're not interested. So I'm trying to look at people's feet. But, you know, there's, you know, 2,000 <laughs> legs there. Yeah. And some, you know, in fairness, there was a few guys were stopping going, what is it, yeah, his phone? And they're trying to help. They're trying to shout to the crowd, the boys lost his phone. But folk are steaming, folk are in party mood um, and then we did find my phone and it was and we phoned it and it was off my phone was definitely on because I'd taken a video cut on its phone I was like oh man it's been half inched yeah. and uh, you know I still was like oh, I've probably dropped it and it's just broken I've dropped it and so the crowd disperses so then it's me and Gav standing in what becomes an empty street because they've all went into the game and I'm I'm really close to tears at this point because right. Gav, right. Gav was like, he went, mate, we'll go to a boozer, we'll watch in a boozer. And I was like, no, nah. I said, yeah, yeah, I can't. You're going to the game. You've paid the money. You're going in. He was like, I'm not leaving yet. We'll watch it in a boozer. And honestly, even now, I'm like, it was, it was horrendous. And so I'm just looking about because you're lost. You're like, my, my ticket's on my phone. That's all I've got. That's I've got nothing else. Ticket on the phone. And he went, he was like, let's go and speak to the steward. So I'm going up, no, I'm all defeated, like, oh, and that's it. And the steward went, if you've got your passport on you and your ticket's not been validated, go to the UEFA building, which it was like two blocks away, and um, they'll print you a paper ticket. So at this point, we're probably maybe 15 minutes before kickoff, oh. so me and him are like bombing it to this place. There's a big, long queue of Rangers fans who've either had their phones lost, stolen, broken, all that, and everybody's panicking because of the time. Yeah. And, you know, the, the UEFA official, he's been quite officious, as he's, you know, as he's won, that's his job, he's got to, you know, he's making sure nobody's at it and that. Yeah. So, let's just say he wasn't the quickest. Yeah. You know, and he's got security there, he's very much like, there's a process, da-da-da-da, and then folk are getting ratty, then folk are like, you're trying to jump the queue, you're like, we're not trying to jump the queue, we're just, so it was getting a wee bit tense. Yeah. Eventually got in, got my ticket, and I missed the first 15 minutes of the game. Um, and, you know, that the stadium's full, you're trying to find your seat and went up the wrong bit and all that. Yeah. And, and then I spent the whole first half head spinning about losing my phone and what that means and raging that I've, I've missed the whole pomp and ceremony at the beginning. You know, don't know anything about the game. Gav, as I'm in getting my ticket for UEFA, he's like, I think Lundstrom's getting sent off and this is about three minutes in. Oh. He's like, there's a there's a VAR check and Lundstrom's, Lundstrom, it looks like he's off. And I'm like, nah, 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 no way. <laughs> and I think, like, looking back, I think he had a, a challenge and the boy was injured. Yeah, I, he had a boy who's hit the headway studs, I think. Didn't I, he? But I don't think it, I mean, I'm obviously going to say this, but I don't think it was a dirty challenge. I think it was yeah. just, just you know, a knock yes and it was an accident, but our, our belief at that point was Lundstrom's off and we're about three minutes in and, and you know, lost my phone. 
we're down to 10 men, you know, and there's 87 <laughs> minutes to play against a German opposition. It's no great, but uh, ah, it's stressful. I can't, I can't imagine the panic that must have gone through your head at that point. I mean, as I think I've told this already in the podcast, but um, just as the teams were coming out, a, a wee boy behind me spewed on my seat after I'd paid a thousand pounds for yeah. it. <laughs> so I mean, I'm laughing. Shouldn't be laughing, but I've got my tails of woe as well, you know. Yeah. Oh, Jordan, laugh all you want because it was funny because that's exactly <laughs> I was doing stood right next. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I so bad. Much rather that than having lost my phone. I know, whatever it was. Yeah. Murder. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, you know, it's still magic day, brilliant day, still there. And when Rebo scored, we had was it twelve, thirteen minutes of belief, real belief. And I think at that point. Because I'm, I think, naturally quite pessimistic about the games. I always, and it's, I think it's a self-preservation. I always think that we can't do it because I think if I commit to saying we are going to win, then it's I'm tempting fate. You know, it's, it's kind of well, if I say it aloud, it will not happen because I've got that power. And uh, then when Aribo scored, I was like, I think, I think we're going to actually do this. I really do. And then, then we did this. <laughs> I said I turned to quit after we scored and all the celebration and Kyle had been getting up these German fans in the front ears and all that sort of stuff and then I turned to Kyle I said we just need to get through 10 minutes we get through 10 minutes after the goal be fine and then at 12 minutes hit and they scored and I went oh well I didn't quite work did it everyone's got the same kind of logic we just need to get through but, such um, a rubbishy goal to give away as well you know but we'll no go over that but it's avoidable avoidable but, but I think that I think that, mo- that moment that Aribo hit the back of the net where that goal was just it was just a, Unreal, but I get oh, like, hard to describe. I spent about seven thousand pounds on water, and uh, <laughs> I, I, what like we got four bottles. Is another story. I'm sure we all know the stories, but I had I, I stole a full bottle, and when he scored, every drop went over everybody. And, you know, I regret that news. You know, <laughs> try to suck it with folks here and everything. <laughs> Aye, that's what the wee boy was trying to do behind Craig, but. Oh, <laughs> but um, I know, as you said, everything that day, bar the result, was it was it was an amazing experience for being involved. And although it was a bit of a traumatic start to you, but it's it's a it's a tale for the for the grandwains, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, the, the next question we've got, and I've 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 got a sneaky suspicion I might know what you're going to say on this one, but it's your your favourite strip, um, or or your favourite piece of memorabilia. I bet you've got some good pieces of memorabilia kicking about your gaff, Jordan. I am memorabilia. I've got, do you know, I've got a lot of Rangers ties of the sort of early noughties period. Um, and I've got most home strips for the last 20, 20 years, 22 years maybe. Yeah. Not every year, but most. And if I've not got the home strip of that year, I've got the away strip. Um, so I, I've, got a, I've got a lot of tops. Uh, my favourite kit is Admiral. Um, McEwen's Lagars, which 1990, 1990, 1991. Yeah, 1990, 1992, I'm sure that's true. Yeah, I, I, and I wore that to Seville because yeah. I, I, wore, I wore it on uh, the Leipzig game. And I was like, you've got to wear the same, you've got to, you know, that kind of, that. why would you change it? And like my mate Gav, he, he went to um, Seville with really thick, shaggy hair because he's like, I can't get my hair cut until this European runs over. <laughs> and he's really like, I'm quite 
uh, you know, I've got loads of things like that, but him, he's off the scale. He'll like, he'll do the exact same routine on match day. Uh, aye. I'm sure he'll be delighted I'm putting that in a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there no goalkeeper tops in there? I, I thought after you were going to say that, that sort of red and yellow splotchy. And that, do you know, the ones when I was younger, they've all gone. Like, I only started collecting them when I was about 20. So all my sort of pre-20 year old, they were all my mum's and they're gone. You know, she's like, ah, I chucked them to the charity years ago. Cheers, mum. Um, we worth a fortune now. Uh, I've got a, I've got two strips that have been for my 30th and my 40th, uh, both signed by the full squad, which um, is pretty special. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we've reached the final question, actually, uh, of the podcast. Um, and it's one that I, I imagine you'll have one of the more exotic answers to than, than the people who have been on beforehand. So right. what, we like to, what we like to ask people at the end is just, where's the, the strangest place or the weirdest place that you've ever watched a Rangers game? Um, so uh, we had Michael Michael Bergson from uh, the owner of Pucks Bar on, um, and he'd um, he'd watched uh, a Rangers game in Cape Verde. Yeah. Quite cool. Um, right. But I imagine you've been in much more exotic places and much more exotic company. Oh, oh I don't games. know. <laughs> I don't. Uh, um, I think probably the coolest is the the New York one um, in two thousand and eight. Um, that was pretty. Uh, I'm so what was was that just part of the this I know New York's got a Rangers supporters club. Was that just over there that you went and watched it with those guys? And is it- Yeah, I it was just just Googled it and <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't remember what it was what it was called. Probably something blue, I'd imagine. <laughs> um but uh, I just got a taxi. Uh, and my my wife she was my then girlfriend was was over uh, visiting and it was like I'm I'm getting up at four o'clock and and we got to the Rangers bars the other side of Manhattan. She's like, no, you're not. Like, no, I am. That was a great game. So I, one of the, the, the Pedro Mendes goal at Parkhead, I was working in Inverness then. And a guy I was working with um, said, look, my brother's a huge Rangers fan. And there's a Rangers um, club there, uh, supporters club. Um, Oh, we'll go to that. He was he's an Aberdeen fan, but he's like he's, he loves his fit boy. He said, I'll go with you, cool. And uh we'll go through this industrial estate. I mean, they're like, this doesn't look like there's anything here. This is this is like one of these lockup units, and you think, it's gonna kill me, it's gonna stab me. And then we opened this door and it was just this sea of Rangers fans and and you know, great atmosphere. And that that I remember watching the, the game in there, having a couple of pints because we were going back down the road that day and Aye, that was probably not exotic, I wouldn't say Inverness. I wouldn't have put Inverness and exotic in the same, but uh, it's far away. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Well, Jordan, thank you very much for your time. It's really it's really very much appreciated. That's been a, it's been a great pod. And uh, I'm glad you managed to get through all the questions as well. Aye, cheers, aye. <laughs> Just. <laughs> Just. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks a lot. No, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And Kyle, thanks cheers. very much again for your, your hosting. Cheers, I, I do try. <laughs> that's, all you, that's all you can do you can you, god loves a trial anyway, absolutely <laughs> thank you very much everyone uh, for listening please please make sure you remember to subscribe to the tii youtube channel remember to turn on those notifications as well so that you you get a wee email every time we upload a new pod please remember we're always 
live every week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 7 p.m. for, for midweek bulletins. And then we've got our main podcast live at 8 p.m. on our YouTube channel as well on a Sunday. Until next time, goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.